You are listening to weekly messages from Austin Christian Fellowship. For more information about ACF, visit acfellowship.org. All right, thank you. Uh, first of all, thanks Will to Will for allowing me uh, to preach in the church, his church. Um, only the future will tell if that was a great decision or not. So uh, uh, if it's bad, it's all Will's fault. That's as easy as that. If it was great, it was all Chris' decision. So let's do it that way. So thanks, thank you very much. Uh, Chris will uh, allowing me to pray with them every day. Um, yeah, it's really, I think that was the biggest life change I've experienced in America so far, is the prayer barn, and I will talk about it later in the sermon. So thank you so much for the opportunity. First of all, I want to ask all of you for some grace and mercy and a lot of patience, because English is not my first language, okay? I come from South Africa, and my first language is Afrikaans, and we've got a few Afrikaans friends here, and I can speak Afrikaans very fluently. I can keep you busy for hours. But English, let me put it this way. So Afrikaans is my first language. Then in South Africa, we, we've got something what we call a more a British English. So in schools, whenever they do teach you something, they teach you more British English. That is the difference between pavement and sidewalk, a robot and intersection, hoot and boot and whatever, okay? So that was my second language. Then my third language is Hollywood English. Um, we would grow up watching your series and movies and all of that. So whenever I did get to hear some American English, it was the Hollywood English. And then my fourth language is what I've been working on the last two years. That is Texan English, okay? So you all, please have patience with me. You all, I want a burger, you know, some stuff like that. So please just have patience. I'm going to do my best to try and teach you the principles of Praying through the face of disappointment. Will asked me to talk on that because after he heard my story, he's like, dude, how are you still positive in life? I mean, you moved 9,000 miles away from your house and family and friends and church and everything in South Africa only to arrive here with a lot of stories and the guy who brought you in to come and pastor an English church in Round Rock, he tells you two days later, I don't want to say this over the phone, I don't want to send you an email, but we've closed the church. <laughs> and we're like, oh, really? That's nice. So what are we going to do now? And he's like, well, you're just going to start another one. Oh, all right, let's just start another one. So who's the band? He's like, no, I don't have a band for you. But in our Hispanic church service, he's having a Hispanic church. Um, I will give you one or two people that can sing and do worship, and they can sing and you can preach. So the first Sunday, the Hispanic people on the stage, they can't speak English. Um, <laughs> the pastor from South Africa, he can't speak English. So we are starting an English church. Okay, two weeks later, we closed it down. Very good decision. Okay, so just in short, the story of disappointment, I can keep you busy for two and a half years. COVID, I mean, that was fun. The riots, amazing. The election, next level. I mean, so we just come here and we're like, what's happening in this country? And everybody we meet is like, this is not the real America. You, you, sorry for what you are experiencing, 
Because the, the last two years, the war in Ukraine, uh, the prices, the economy, uh, Chris made a joke this week, we don't have a 401k, we have a 201k. It was cut in half the last week, okay? So just everything was this big disappointment. Moving my family 9,000 miles for God's call, a better life, something we think we've heard from God, and then two and a half years later, still busy planning <laughs> to start a church, still busy planning to do missions back to South Africa. So that's why Will said, maybe you must teach on praying through disappointment. I think you've got some experience in that. And I'm like, really, Will? Do you think I must teach on that? Nobody else? And he's like, no, you must do it. So let's talk about your disappointment. Because um, what I said to Will, I think anybody can speak on that. Because I don't think there's a single person in this room right now that has not gone through or is not now experiencing some form of disappointment. It's all the time active in our lives. Because why? Let me give it to you. The reason is disappointment is the gap between your expectation and reality. And the, the gap in between is all the time disappointed. I, know, I don't know about you, but everything is not perfect in my life. Anybody here with a perfect life? Perfect kids, you can have mine, and I'll, okay? A perfect marriage, perfect finances, perfect health. Nothing is perfect. And we are sitting with that gap of um, my desires, my expectation of life versus reality. Now, I think the first important thing is we need to just stop and just be honest quickly. How deep is your disappointment? Because most of us grew up in life saying disappointment is part of life, so it happens and you just shrug it off and you just carry on. Well, the first time it's fine, you shrug it off and you carry on. The second time, you shrug it off and you carry on. And the third time, the fourth time, it's getting deeper and deeper. And actually disappointment is very dangerous because it gives you the seed of bitterness. Now hear the words, only a seed. It's only a very little thing. I mean, you've been, Disappointed by your parents, they've done stuff. Disappointed by life, marriage, a miscarriage, death in COVID, a work loss. And I, we can carry on, give you examples. There are millions of them. The first time it's having an effect on your life, it is just a little seed. You think you're gonna be fine, it happens to everybody. You're gonna be okay. But the longer that seed lingers inside of you, the longer that seed are being pampered. You know, <laughs> I like what we do with our um, disappointments. We, we, we build lives around it. We use it as crutches. We use it as our excuses in life. Well, you don't know what happened to me. 
And then you use your disappointment as the reason why you act and why you are the way that you are. So that's what I want to talk about. What must we do with disappointment? How do we pray through it? How do we, how would we, how would we keep on growing through disappointment? Because it's very dangerous. But with the danger of disappointment comes an invitation. So I normally say this, uh, with your um, disappointment, you, you get the choice between it can make you bitter or it can make you better. It's your choice. It is, and this is not a pop psychology sermon. Don't worry about it. I'm not going to give you three points how to be happy all the time. Okay? It's not going to work. Don't worry about that. All right? This is something about real life. How do you look at stuff? So you're driving in the road. Next to you, there's a guy busy digging a hole. What do you think? Oh, that guy's busy digging my grave. <laughs> You're one of those positive people, okay? Oh, look at that beautiful grave he's digging for me. Well, actually, to tell you the truth, if you've got the seed of bitterness busy growing inside of you, you will be a positive person every day except when that seed starts growing and you will look at that hole and you would think, well, the grave doesn't sound too bad today to me. It's maybe not a bad option. You see, when the seed starts growing and you didn't decide to go on to blessing but stay into bitterness, that seed will become a tree. You will have a tree of bitterness inside of you, a tree of resentment. And it can be even turned towards God, turned towards the Bible, turned towards promises in the Bible. You've prayed for healing. You've prayed for a promise. You've prayed for a miracle. You've prayed for parents or kids to get saved and a life change to happen. Back in South Africa, I worked with a guy. He prayed that his parents will not get a divorce. And he he was on fire for God. Can I tell you how it ended? The dad and mom got a divorce. The dad took a pistol, ring the doorbell. Mom opens the door, shot the mom, shot himself. So that guy had an excuse, man. (laughs) You think you've got an excuse. How's that? (laughs) So he went off the rails. I will not believe God in him. I will not trust the Bible. He, He created for himself the seed of bitterness and it became a tree. And then what did he do? He built a tree house around the tree. It became his whole identity. And he's a good friend of mine now. He's saved. He's back on the track and everything. But he opened up a, 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 a tattoo parlor. He was very artistic. He's an incredible guy. But his whole body was full of bitterness. It became his whole identity. It became his excuse. Whenever anybody tried to talk to him saying, come on, man, life is great. Let's get up. Let's get going. You've got stuff to live for. Yeah, but you don't know what happened to me. God disappointed me. I prayed and God didn't come through. So, so this is real stuff. Maybe your, yours ain't that big, but still it's a seed of bitterness. And you've got a choice. Will it be bitterness or will you turn that hole into a planting opportunity? To plant a different seed.
and use all the pain in life as fertilizer for the tree of life and trust and faith to grow out of that hole. It, it's your choice. And, and I've, I'm going to try and help you to make that choice this morning just by what I've learned the last two years, two and a half years, what I've done. And, and I can give you 100 points because I've been busy the whole time studying Bible, writing journal, all of that. But I've, I've narrowed it down just to two points. What can you do to grow out of bitterness? Because with every circumstance comes a new invitation. Um, there's an invitation from God. Will you turn against me or will you turn towards me? That's the invitation in disappointment. To, to turn from, well, it's God, I blame, I'm broken, I'm bitter, or turn it to, God, I need you. <laughs> Only you can fix this. Only you can heal this. So with every, um, every situation, there's a new invitation. <laughs> and, and you can decide, bitter or blessed, bitter or better. It, it's your choice. So the first thing I've learned the last two years, I would say it's the, the importance of staying focused on what is my role, what is my responsibility, versus to leave God to be God. And, and what it means in short is very easy. It is the Abraham story. So Abraham's got this promise he's going to have a big family. But still, Sarah ain't getting pregnant. He's working on it. I think he was working on it. But in any case, he was working on it. Sarah didn't get pregnant. So eventually Sarah said, well, take my slave, my, my servant girl. And Abraham took the servant girl and Ishmael was born. But that wasn't God's plan. That wasn't God's providing. That was Abraham getting confused about what's my role and what is God's role. So quickly, just read the scripture with me. Galatians, Galatians 6, 7. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. You know, that's actually amazing scripture just there. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please the flesh, from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time, we will reap the harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have <clears throat> opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially those who belong to the family of believers. So this verse is about, or piece of scripture is about your role and God's role. Let me give you your role. Your role is don't be deceived. Whatever you sow, that you will reap. <laughs> That's the law. That is what will happen. We've got control over what we will sow. When you get disappointment, Disappointed. What will you sow? Will you sow discouragement, unhealthy language, madness, getting crazy, blaming, guilt? What will you sow? Because whatever you sow, whenever the reaping comes, that is what you will reap. So he says, God can't be mocked with this. He can't change it around. You can't sow in the flesh, be mad, 
cuss at God, cuss at church, cuss at your friends and go crazy with everybody. And then all of a sudden think, well, now the season has changed. God will start blessing me again. No. This is what you've got control over. You've got control over what you will sow. So, sow righteousness. Sow healthy stuff. Sow spiritual stuff. Sow prayer. Sow Bible study. Sow obedience. And whenever, that's God's stuff, whenever the reaping comes, at the appropriate time, God will bless it. God will reap it. That's the first thing. The second thing, it says what we've got control over, and it's huge. Do not get weary. <laughs> Last Sunday sermon, in the times we live in, what is the biggest hurdle we've got to cross? Busyness. And what does busyness do to you? It makes you weary. Okay, listen to this. You've got control over your busyness. You've got control over your weariness, not God. You must say no to stuff because when you are disappointed or getting disappointed or the seed of bitterness, the seed of bitterness grows in weariness. He loves weariness because when you weary, you blame, you're mad, you cross, you don't see clear, you don't get vision, you don't hear stuff from God because you are weary. Um, in this two and a half years, I had only control over this. <laughs> don't get weary. <laughs> and Willie's like, how do you do that? How do you keep on smiling? How do you just keep on believing? And I'm like, the only thing I've got control over is don't get weary. So what do we do? We take vacations. We go away. I think I've saw more than America than most Americans. I think I've saw already 24, 25 states traveling the whole of America, going places. Why? Do not get weary. Keep practicing. Keep sleeping good. Healthy eating diet. All of that. Do whatever you need to do not to get weary. That's your responsibility. God is not going to do it for you. The third thing, and this one is amazing. Don't give up. Just don't quit. Don't quit on a marriage. Don't quit praying for a healing or a miracle. Just don't quit. <laughs> so small, but it's actually so big. Because if you don't quit, the scripture says at the proper time, the miracle will come, the breakthrough, the harvest. But if you quit, you will miss it. If you're too weary, you will miss it. If you're not sowing right, you will miss it. And the last thing it says, keep on doing good to people. So I don't know about you, but when I go through stuff, um, my personality type is when I stress, I pull back. <laughs> I isolate myself. And I go to books and Bible and reading, and I'm just like, leave me alone. I don't want to do good to anybody else because God is not good to me. Mm, all right? I don't, you don't ever do that. You are always happy. I know, all right? So I go into self-pity. And the last thing I want to do is help somebody else. So in the last two and a half years, every now and then, I would get the opportunity to encourage somebody. <laughs> and this may be, yeah, but you're a pastor. Hey, we are all ministers of the love of God. 
And I get this opportunity and sometimes I just feel like, oh, please, Lord, I need the encouragement. I need the blessing. I need somebody to pray over me. So don't stop doing good to other people. Finally, because God will not be mocked. Whatever you sow, you will reap. And at the proper time. There's a beautiful word in the Bible, suddenly. Oh, I love that word. <laughs> and suddenly, everything changes. That's God's control. That is what God will do. It's the growing of a seed. We don't have any control over that. But that is what God will do. And you have to keep your faith strong. You don't get weary. You keep on doing good. You don't give up. And at the proper time, the miracle will come. And the healing will come. So I'm standing right there in that faith. That at the proper time, the vision will come through. The promises of God, the blessing, the anointing, whatever I'm praying for, it will happen. That was the first thing I've learned. The second thing I've learned, and this one is much harder. The second thing I've learned is to pray for the wisdom between my plans versus God's purpose. Disappointment is when I've got a plan and it's not working out because I'm not in line with God's purpose. Now, let me tell you, this thing is so huge, um, I can actually just preach on this for an hour because this is the whole of life comes down to this point. Do you know the difference between your plan and God's purpose? Let me tell you how hard it is. Jesus went to Gethsemane and prayed three times. For the first time in the Bible, Jesus needed to pray three times. Why? The difference between his plan and God's purpose. Even raising the dead was easier than this. You get it? I mean, he said to Lazarus, Lazarus, come forth. And a dead guy being dead for more than four days stood up. But getting your plans to change into God's purpose, it took Jesus more than one prayer. And it's going to take you more than one prayer, my friend. Because you love your plan. <laughs> you love it. Oh, man, I've been telling God my great plan. I just know best, man. I can tell him exactly everything I want, I need, what will work, what will be amazing. I mean, if God would just start listening to me, man. And he's like, I've made you. I know you better than anything, anybody in this world. And my purpose for you is far greater than your plan. But for me to get you to change from your plan to my purpose, I have to take you through disappointment. And when you are in disappointment, you go with Jesus into Gethsemane. And you pray. So the, the topic was how to pray in the face of disappointment. Well, you pray in the face of disappointment in Gethsemane. 
And it all starts with how to work with my plan and how to get to God's purpose. Because, I mean, my plan, I don't know about you, but my plan is comfort. God's purpose is character. <laughs> my, my plan is isolation. God's plan is connection. My plan is all about driven by fear. God's purpose is all driven by faith. It, it's totally different, people. Let's play a little bit. Let's play. Um, what do you think was Jesus' plan in Gethsemane? Everybody's like, no, 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 he was on the will of the Father. No, 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 he was tempted just like me and you. So we heard the rumors, you can be king. They want to make you king. And he was like, I can become king, sit on the throne of David, just like all the prophecies. You know, listen to this. The best temptation is 95% the will of God. Not 100% the will of God, 95. So Jesus could say, I'm going for 95% of the will of the Father. I'm going to be king. I'm going to rule in honesty and justice. I'm going to rule all. I'm going to take all the prophecies in the Bible and I'm going to live them. And I'm going to be that. And I'm going to be an amazing ruler for Israel. And I will even be this great leader of love to bring the Jews and the Gentiles together. And I'll do that with my wisdom and my power and my eternal spirit inside of me. I can do this. Then I don't have to go through the cross. So, Father, if it is possible, just take this cup away from me. Father, if it's possible, just a little bit of my plan. <laughs> oh, I've got a great plan. Just a little bit of my plan, not your purpose. I will go for your purpose eventually, <laughs> but first my plan. So Jesus was tempted just like me and you. And he took the Son of Man, the Son of God, who said, Lazarus, come. He never ever asked for anything more than once. Go read your Bible. Never ever. Except when? Die of my plan to change to God's purpose. Um, you know the most famous verse in the Bible, Romans 8? Uh, Everything works for good to those who God loves. You remember that one? Beautiful verse. We quote it all the time. That has been called according to his purpose. <laughs> Disappointment. Everything is not going to work out for your plan. Sorry. You were called for God's purpose. Everything will work out for God's purpose. God is in the business of working stuff out for his purpose. Sorry, my friend, not for your plan. God is not on earth. God is not available to us for our plans. God is available to us for his purpose and his heart. Let, let's read quickly. Let's read the last scripture, Matthew 26, 37. Jesus praying in Gethsemane. He says, then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to them, sit here while I go over there and pray. He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him, and he began to be sorrowful and troubled. 
This is serious praying, sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, my soul is overwhelmed with the sorrow, um, uh, uh, with sor sorrowful to the point of death. I mean, this is no fun. Sorrowful, troubled, point of de death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Going a little further. He fell with his face to the ground and prayed, My father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken away from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. Then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Couldn't you men keep watch with me for one hour, he asked Peter. Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. He went away a second time and prayed, My father, if it is not possible for this cup to be taken away unless I drink it, may your will be done. And we know the story carries on. And he came back, found him asleep again. He said nothing. He went away and prayed a third time. Let's quickly talk about how do you pray. First of all, there's something in the meaning praying three times. Uh, right away, I think of Paul, 2 Corinthians 12. He said, I had a thorn in my flesh, and I prayed three times for God to take it. There's something in when you keep on praying about something. And can I tell you this, my friend? You need to keep on praying about dying of the self, dying of your plans, because in your plans, you will go through many lots a tremendous amount of disappointment. If you want to get rid of disappointment, of bitterness, get onto blessing and God's plan, <laughs> you have to pray over and over. And it's, it says it's earnest prayer. It is real prayer. It's solid prayer, man. It's not quick praying, oh God, I want to give up my plan and let your will be done. Amen. And there you go. This is a fight, people. This is a battle. This is tearing your heart. I don't know about you, but my plans, they are seeded deep inside of me. My vision, my dreams, my desire for my fa family, my kids, my wife. All, I've got these deep-rooted, I know best plans. To get rid of them is not a five-minute prayer exercise. Why? Because the spirit is willing to yield to the will of God. But the flesh, <laughs> your flesh, it's not willing. Your flesh want comfort. Your flesh want no pain, no suffering, no struggles. Your, your flesh wants everything about you, me, my desires. So it's a, it's a burden in Gethsemane to really pray and keep on praying till you can truly say, Lord, I'm giving over slowly but surely. I'm surrendering slowly but surely to your will, your purpose. The second thing I see in there is um, he went and prayed with three guys, three men. And... I must say, this was my lifesaver here in America. Last year, I think around about October, I met, uh, first I met uh, John David J.D., and he introduced me to the church, and about a week later, I met Chris at a prayer barn, at the prayer barn, and he invited me to stay. Um, sorry, Jesus, 
I've got better prayer friends than Jesus. <laughs> Chris never fell asleep while we were praying. Okay. Um, the prayer barn, can I tell you people, you don't know what you've got here. ACF, you don't know what you've got here. For people to pray over 800 days every day from, eight, uh, from 12 to 1, People, it has changed my life, and I've been a pastor for, I don't know, 30 years, something like that, back in South Africa and all together. And I walked in there, and all of a sudden, it's people praying, calling on God. Um, yes, they do it for an hour together, but all of them's got personal prayer lives, and they bring that anointing into that prayer barn. Find people you can pray with. You will not get through Gethsemane on your own. Hello? Did you get that? You will die in bitter disappointment if you don't get a prayer team around you to pick you up, to pray you through hard times. I can't tell you how many times I went onto the prayer call, on the Zoom call, and I was like ready to give up, pack my bags, go back to Africa. We're done with this crazy idea and plan to help lives and do missions. I'm done. And that day, Chris or Will or anybody else in the team will just say, hey, we pray for our pastor, he's out, God bless him. And I'm like, oh, you don't know. You've got no idea. And I'm fine, guys, all good. We're believing. Inside, I needed that right there, right then, to do what God called me to do. You will need it. So get people around you that can pray and pray with them. One day you will pick them up, the other day they will pick you up. But you need them around you in your life. And lastly, I want to end with the story of Gethsemane. Because this was my prayer and my life and I was struggling through this. And one day as I was praying through Gethsemane and the struggle of this is a battle and how hard is this battle and everything... I just stopped with an ancient sermon I preached long ago. The meaning of the word Gethsemane. I, I think Will has teached this to you. The meaning of the word Gethsemane is the, the crashing of the olive oil, of the olive. I think we've got a picture of that. You've got the picture already there? There we go. So that was an olive press. That was the, the meaning of Gethsemane was it was an, uh, a, a, a place where they would make the oil. Now, what would happen there, you throw the olives in, somebody would turn those two rocks around. And every time it goes over the, the olives, it would crush it, break it, and press out the oil. So everybody is teaching this. I've heard it many times that Jesus' struggle in Gethsemane was these two rocks. Uh, a lot of people would say the one rock was Israel. All the sin of Israel crushing Jesus. People would say the second rock is the sin of the world crushing Jesus, um, crushing the, the anointing out of him, crushing his will, crushing his desires to adjust to the will of the Father. And I was looking at the picture closely like this one and praying through, oh, it's a crushing, oh, it's hard, oh, it's difficult. And the next moment... The Holy Spirit asked me this question in my heart. Where's the oil that came out of Jesus that day? I was like, huh? No, nobody has ever told me this. 
I've never heard about this. Where's the oil? I mean, when you crush it, keep on, oil is running out. They don't have it there. There's a little side opening where the oil would come out eventually. And where's that oil after Jesus is crushing? The Holy Spirit is saying to me, that oil is available to anybody who's willing to go through Gethsemane. I will anoint you with oil to go through this crushing. I will give you my spirit. I will give you my brokenness. I will go with you again and again through the crushing of Gethsemane. I will anoint you with this. This will not be in your strength, in your power, because you cannot surrender your will. Your flesh is too strong. You will not give up. You will stay to your plans. You will stay true to your plans. You will not surrender. You can't do it on your own strength. You need the anointing. To go through the crashing, to go through Gethsemane. And Jesus said, it's available. And I was like, wow, I need this oil. And as I was praying on it more and more, I remember, but Jesus was anointed to go through Gethsemane. You start Matthew 26, you will see he was at a house, Bethany, and um, all of a sudden a lady came in and poured out this expensive oil fragrance over him. And Judas was like, oh, we're going to sell this for the poor. This is bad stuff. And Jesus was like, no. For the rest of eternity, whenever this story will be told, this woman will be mentioned because she anointed me for my burial, for going through Gethsemane, for the cross, for death, for resurrection. She has anointed me for this. People, you need the anointing to go through Gethsemane. And it's available. (laughs) Jesus wants to help you. So this week in the prayer, um, Bon, Erin got this vision while we were praying and praying about Sunday. And she said, Andres, I don't know if this means anything to you, but I see little bottles of oil, of olive oil, available to every person coming through the door. There's olive oil in a bottle available to you. It's Jesus' oil. It's Jesus' spirit. It's the Holy Spirit available to you to go through whatever disappointment you're struggling with, whatever battle you're fighting. Outside, all good. Inside, Lord, I'm disappointed. I've prayed I've prayed for a better marriage. It's not changing. I've prayed for salvation for my kids. It's not happening. I've prayed for the healing of my little one. Where are you, God? There is an oil available (laughs) to help you go through this. There's an anointing available to help you to get through this. Last one, um, on the Jericho Road, you remember the, the, the Jewish guy who got beaten half to death, leaving half naked next to the road. The good Samaritan comes along. And George prayed on this again this week, saying he poured out wine and oil on the wounds. People, <laughs> there are wine and oil in this place today available for you to get healing of all your wounds of disappointment. You can walk out here free. Not bitter, better. Not bitter, but blessed. You can walk out here today 
with a new fresh anointing of Jesus and the Holy Spirit over you to let God's purpose come to pass in your life, to see God's will be done, to see amazing life in line with all the blessings of God. You can see it. It's available. The oil and the wine is here. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask um, John Davis. They're going to sing us a song. We're going to close the service a little bit different than what we normally do. Um, we're going to do one song. Um, when I told John Davis what I'm preaching about and what I feel needs to happen, he's like, I've got this great song for you. And this is the song. It's called New Wine. It says, in the crushing, in the pressing, you are making new wine. In the soil, that hole that's being digged, in that soil is the grave or are you being planted? Now I surrender. You are breaking new ground. So I yield to you into your careful hands. When I trust you, I don't need to understand. Make me your vessel. Make me your offering. Make me whatever you want me to be. I came here with nothing but all you have given me. Jesus, bring new wine out of me. So I'm going to ask you, we're not going to do anything weird. Don't worry. I'm not that crazy South African. That's the other guy. All right. I'm just going to ask you. Just sit. Open your hands. And say, Lord, I need. I need that bottle of oil. I need it for my family. I need it for the last two years in America from COVID, the disappointments, the regrets the resentment, the everything. I need it. Maybe yours is a little bit more personal. Maybe it's a marriage. Maybe it's a kid. Maybe it's a promise. But just sit like this and say, Lord, I need this oil. I need this oil to get through Gethsemane. I need this oil to surrender my plan to your will. I need this oil not to get weary, not to give up, not to start sowing in the flesh. I need this oil to come back. And as they sing it, you receive it in faith. And you drink in the oil. You drink in the new wine for your wounds. I know you've got wounds. <laughs> Everybody does. Everybody does. So how about today? Today is healing day. How about today? Today. You can get healed today of that bitterness, of that anger, that resentment. All you have to do is open up and say, I receive the wine and the oil. Let's listen to this song.